ladies and gentlemen, you've been forewarned. Shane O'Hare will be in San Diego. Hello and welcome to the Geekscape Games podcast, level 35. We are suspending production of Geekscape Games to address technical issues and to satisfy our quality standards. Just kidding. What quality standards? <laughs> when do we start having quality? <laughs> well, we're going to be... That's going to hurt us because normally I don't do the intros. Actually, I'm the very last voice you hear. But not today because our very own Shane O'Hare is MIA. Uh, Boo. Maybe very upset. Yeah, over the uh, Batman Arkham uh, Knight news. But he's just He's just sitting at his computer trying to launch it over and over and over. <laughs> it's just not working because <laughs> the PC master race is taking a big hit, but we'll get more on that in a few. I am your temporary introductory host, JC Marquez, the King of Mars. And on my immediate left, I'm assuming is our very own Canadian grappler. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be the t- title holder of the Saskatchewan hardcore international title. And he will make Kevin Owens run in fear, our very own Derek Cranavelt. I think I probably hold that title because I'm like the only person in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Wait, in, are you in legitimately this, in Saskatchewan? No, I'm not. I've actually never oh. been there. Uh, I'm on the West Coast. So <laughs> I'm West. Saskatchewan, British Columbia. What's the difference? It's a small town. Like, yeah, it's actually a small town in British Columbia. And on the other corner are undisputed undefeated title holder for 35 consecutive weeks who has more wrestling ability the entire divas roster our very own aj lee but we call him josh jackson well considering the state of the divas roster that's not much of an accomplishment (laughs) but i'll take it can you do a he's the waifu champion uh i could do a chin lock dude your 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 moveset's already 50 percent more than anybody else on that roster I think I would be able to sell okay. <laughs> Instead of forget where I am. Oh. References. We really need to do another wrestling show with, uh, with, with Matt. Oh, God. Get out of our system every couple of months. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, so it'll be us three for today. Uh, hopefully, Shane will, uh, Shane will join us next week. But let's just get right to it. We're one week removed from E3. All the hype. All the anger, all the disappointments, all the uh, all the pre-orders, all the pre-orders, uh, all the conferences were done. We can put that away for another fifty-one weeks, and now we have Anime Expo coming next weekend in LA, and then the weekend after that is the mother of all conventions, the San Diego Comic Con. But we'll have more on that uh, next week. But today, let's just get right to it with the biggest news of the day so far, and also with the biggest release of the week: Batman: Arkham Knight for Xbox One and PS4, and technically the pc uh but there's a been an issue with that with for the pc master race uh josh what exactly happened for pc owners uh well with the launch of arkham knight uh the pc pro uh the pc version was having such a wide variety of issues from crashes to install issues to pretty much almost anything you could think of so it got to the point where today Rocksteady suspended sales of Arkham Knight on PC altogether. That so, happened today, right? Right, that just happened today. So basically it was in such a poor state that they came out and apologized yesterday and said that they were 
uh, that they were doing everything they could to get it running, and then today they've flat out stopped sales of it. So, I mean, we've, like, in the last couple months and everything, we've had a lot of really bad launches, but, I mean, I can't think of any in a long time where it was so bad that they had to stop selling it, right? No, I, I can't remember, especially two days into the release date. Yeah, no, it's insane. And to uh, to think too, the game was already delayed like what four months. I was about to bring that up. It it was, it was supposed to come out earlier this year, and they pushed it back. And then not with the I don't know what they were doing for those extra four months working on the DLC, but I, I would assume they should have focused their attention on the game itself. When it, it's especially interesting, just like you know, because I I'm actually still waiting on my copy to get here for PS4, but just starting to read reviews and stuff, and they're all absolutely stellar like i read reviews basically saying this is the game that's worth buying a a console for and then like and then inversely seeing the pc reviews and how terrible they are and then literally they stop they have to stop selling the game because it's so bad um it's just a crazy contrast and one one thing that i had read is that this time like the i guess arkham uh Arkham Asylum and Arkham City were actually the the port PC port was handled by Rocksteady as well, and those ones are supposed to be really good. But this one was actually handled by Warner Brothers Interactive um, oh. or something themselves. I, I I might be getting some of this wrong, but that's I believe that's what I read. And so that it, it was actually nothing to do with Rocksteady. It, but they they weren't the ones doing the port, and then this is how all these issues have have arisen now. Right, but if you remember too, I think the same company did the PC port for this one as they did as the ones that did Origins, I should say. And uh, Origins had a lot of launch issues as well, not as bad as this, but... uh, Origins had some launch issues on the console too, though. Like, that was just a buggy game. Right, right. Yeah, and there's even been, not nearly as bad as PC, but there's even been, like, spatters of... Uh, issues on the consoles as well. Yeah, I've seen issues with like like leaderboards not showing up and stuff like that. Right. But like, why does that game have leaderboards? Like, isn't it a single player game? Yeah, like it it shows your times like on challenge maps and that kind of stuff. It even has a leaderboard for your completion percentage for some reason. Ah, I see. So eventually, everyone's going to be tied first <laughs> place, which is a, you know, well, at least we'll all be able to claim that we've been number one on a leaderboard. <laughs> You know, but I think this is a problem now, especially in the age where games are no longer seen as a product. They're seen more as a quote-unquote service where everything has to have a deadline. So uh, this game's coming out. It has to be out by November. Just get the main game out. If it's 60% done, then it's 60% done. The other 40% will just call it DLC. So everything's rushed. And even with the four months of allotted time, I'm sure I'm, I'm no game designer, but I'm sure the scope of Arkham Knight is so vast and so huge that even with four months... Um, they're going to have bugs and you can't do as much quality testing as you would like. But still, with a game of this scope and with all the marketing behind it and with the budget behind it, you would assume that you would have some kind of team that would go through every single thing, especially for the PC version. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like in a lot of ways, as games advance, it seems like they're also going backwards in a lot of ways. And this is one of the major issues where it seems like quality control is taking a backseat to that towards getting just the game out on the market. And I feel like not even necessarily DLC like you mentioned, but I think they feel like they can always fall back on patches. Yeah. So it's like if this doesn't work or whatever, or if the game's not 100% ready, we can continue to run quality testing. And once once we find the bugs or, or as the buyers do free QA for us 
and tell us on our forums that this doesn't work, then we'll go in and fix it after the fact. Well, let me ask you this. Do you now this is for the PC version. Now, how do you think the response would have been from the gaming community if this problem was uh, was present in the console version rather than the PC version? Oh, it would be it would be ridiculous because if it was on the console version and I'm I'm assuming you mean that it would be on the console version like either Xbox One or PS Right, the PC one works fine, but Xbox One and PS4 copies or just one of those two were having the issues that the PC version has right now. Well, I think there would be an even bigger outrage than there is now because the game has always traditionally been considered a console game, especially if it would have had the same issues on PS4 since PS4 has been the version that's been so heavily advertised with the exclusive content and uh, and this exclusive console design and all of that. So that would have been so much worse. And, um, and well, especially so. pe- people that are buying... You know, they had the PS4, I don't know if Xbox One did, but there was a PS4 bundle including the game. And when I, you know, I went to uh, Electronics Boutique the other day, just just when, uh, like in the morning when the game was launching, and there was literally a lineup of people in, like, in line to buy, not the game, but the console bundle. And so people buying this console specifically to play this game, had they had an experience like that with the game, like, that would have been, I don't know how they would have fixed that. Like, that would have been a freaking nightmare. Well, well, let me ask you this. Now, let's put ourselves in the position of uh, marketing and, and customer service. We have customers that have just bought the PC version uh, day one. They're having these issues. They're clearly upset. A lot of negative media coverage. What do you do if you're um, if you're do- if you're in charge of all the PC uh, side of it you to c- satisfy those customers and to kind of make amends for a crappy port? You could uh, give them a copy of Assassin's Creed Unity. <laughs> and, and let them know that it could be so much worse. <laughs> I mean, you could pull in, like you could pull an Ubisoft and give them a... Didn't Ubisoft give everyone a free game or something? Yeah, I was going to say give out a uh, free season pass. You yeah. know what? That free, just give them free $40 season pass for it? Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. At the very That's least, all the, all the pre-order DLC. Yeah, to those, you know, to those buyers that that did put the money up front long before the game came out like you know and it's something different if like when the game is fixed yeah sure no more free season pass for those people that buy it but anyone that bought it in those i mean now you can't even buy it so anyone that bought it prior to the release or in those first couple days yeah they have to be you know reimbursed in some way because they have this game that they pretty much can't play mm-hmm yeah, well, you know, hopefully by this time next week they will hear something. I- I'm sure within a week they'll have it figured out because th- the more this game is broken on PC, the more sales are going to lose. Um, right. But anyway, and that, maybe, maybe, that maybe it was all a maybe it was all it's all on purpose to drive people to the PS4 version of the game and to buy those bundles. Yeah, but then <laughs> ag- then again, I feel like the negativity kind of. Uh, kind of spreads into the console aspect yeah. of it too yeah. just because well i mean it's it's definitely overshadowed everything like you know when a when a critically acclaimed game like this comes out like for you know when the witcher came out it was for weeks and weeks i was reading about how good all of that was and and how good of a job they did and all i'm seeing about arkham knight is the pc issues like i'm not you know yeah. the, the reviews and the all the praise that it's getting are totally being overshadowed by all this negativity and that's got to be hurting sales for sure yeah. Right, and even the console version, I've had my own issues on my PS4 copy so far. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I mean, nothing huge, but, um, for example, apparently the game did that thing that we talked about a few weeks ago where it does the install while you play. 
And oh, so wow. for, I, the game, I don't know if you'd really consider it a bug, but if you put your PlayStation in sleep mode, the game loses, I mean, the next time you start it up, it loses its internet functionality completely. Are you kidding? You, until you completely close out the application and restart it. Oh, um, wow. And so I didn't know this. So I play, I got maybe about 50, 60% finished with the story. And then I opened this door, like right after I beat this really difficult part. And then it goes, oh, uh, the rest of the game needs to install. So then it pulls up an install bar, which I had assumed that the game was installed days ago. And it had a timer that said the installation will finish in five minutes, but the timer wasn't moving. And then when I tried to back out of it so I could save my game, um, then it goes, oh, like you can't back out during installation. The only way is to turn it off. So I lost like a half hour of playtime because oh, I had to like I had to like hard restart my PlayStation, close the Batman application, start all over again. So the Internet functionality would come back and the install could finish. Jeez. Well, well, you know, hopefully they get that figured out soon because uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it is a fantastic game. It's been great reviews. It's calling it the best game of the series. Uh, and the definitive Batman experience, if you want to go that far. But you're right. The PC issues are overshadowing every positive thing that the media can say. And it's going to affect sales. Yeah, um, definitely. And it hurts Warner Brothers' reputation as a whole, like when these kind of things happen. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're the ones who were in charge of the PC side of it. Right. Uh, well, speaking of DLC and uh, far more positive news, uh, there was a... You know how Halo 4, when that was released several years ago... There was that nightmare that Amazon, Best Buy, I think even Target had uh, exclusive DLC with it, or like uh, Spartan suits. So if you wanted all the Spartan suits, you had to get a download uh, pre-order from GameStop, from Target, from Amazon, from Best Buy to get pretty much everything. And people went out and pre-ordered every single version of the game so they can get all of it. Fortunately, we won't have that nightmare. Um, did you guys read up on what Halo 5 is going to do with their DLC? I did, yes. So, go, Derek, you want to tell us what's going to happen with Halo 5 and that DLC stuff? Are we going to relive that nightmare? Uh, no, not this time around. It was actually um, revealed via Twitter. Somebody asked um, the, the Josh Holmes, he's the head uh, studio head for Halo 5, uh, who was also the creative director for Halo 4. Um, somebody asked him, am I going to be able to get this gun in the UK because it's advertised as a pre-order exclusive here for some, some retailer. Um, so he responded to him. He said, all unlockable content can be earned by everybody. All pre-ordering guarantees is that you have it out of the box. No need to, which means that you don't need to earn it or unlock it in the game. So every, you know, according to this tweet, every piece of pre-order DLC that, you know, you're getting a voucher for when you pick up the game from GameStop or Amazon or whatever, it's all actually going to be unlockable in the game. Pre-ordering it from a certain retailer just gets it gets it to you right away, basically. So that's friggin' awesome because there's so many games and so many experiences these days where it's it just like you said, it's like if you want this thing, you have to get it from this company. If you want this, you have to get it from this company. And there's like no way to get it all unless you're fucking buying vouchers on eBay or uh, pre-ordering the game multiple times just for like a stupid skin or something like that, right? So this is it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool uh, announcement, I think, because it's pretty atypical of what a lot of games are doing these days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. unlockable, unlockable um, items in game. That's like the most next gen thing so far. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's something that I wish more companies going forward would do. 
because it's kind of unfortunate because, I mean, you want one copy of the game, but, you know, there are those fans who, uh, and the companies have to know this, the uber diehards, that if you say, all right, we have four retailer exclusive skins for characters or weapons, there will be fans who will pre-order four different versions of the game and they'll buy all four versions and then uh, try to trade one copy back to GameStop. And it causes a nightmare for the stores as well because they know there are going to be people who are going to do that. They're trading in the copy that they bought extra just for the DLC, and so then they have to deal with all that overstock. So I'm glad that you know. Hopefully, this is a trend that we see going forward, where yeah, you'll get to unlock the the content, but it's not going to be exclusive to retailers. So even if you buy it a couple of days late, or if you you know you just jump on the bandwagon a little bit late, like a month or two, uh, that you're still going to get an opportunity to get all that DLC. Right, right. And then here's what I would usually do. And you could call this a Geekscape Games exclusive if you'd like, but <laughs> dude, um, dude, dude, Geekscape Games exclusive. And I, I <laughs> and I only go through the trouble if it's a game that I really like, like Hyrule Warriors. But here's what I would always do with, in that situation: is I would pre-order it at GameStop, pre-order it at Best Buy, pre-order it at Amazon, whatever, and then buy them. Then don't open them. Usually the re- usually the code comes in as email or printed on the receipt. So then redeem the code and then return everything <laughs> and that way and then that way i don't spend any extra money that's what i did with hyrule warriors i think i kept my amazon copy and then returned the best buy and gamestop ones after using the codes and i didn't lose any money and i got to feel like i gave tecmo koei a big middle finger <laughs> oh crap <laughs> <laughs> i am mad that i didn't think of that before it's it comes with working at gamestop i guess oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty uh, common uh it's a pretty common way to do things over there yeah pretty much and i guess just working over there you recognize that you can't really turn someone away for turn someone's return away as long as it's still open even if you like think that they use the code so yep i mean so like what as long as the game's not used it's like what does it matter um, so. well you know this seems to be just a week of dlc issues from uh from Halo, from Batman, uh, but now we're going to Destiny. We mentioned it last week that the Taken King was announced, a brand new expansion that's going to be out in September uh, for Bungie's uh, online shooter. And this is the biggest one so far. It's going to go for $40, and it's going to uh, have new class systems or new additions to the classes for the Hunter, the Titan, and the, the Warlock. But there's been a little bit of controversy now because, as you know, a lot of the hardcore Destiny players will buy the the packs day one. But for those people who bought Destiny back, you know, last year and haven't touched it or barely got through, say, the first one with uh, the Crota Adventure, they're offering an $80 bundle that gives you uh, the first DLC pack, the House of Wolves that came out last month or a month and a half ago and with the Taken King. Plus a bunch of other goodies that weren't available with those other DLC packs when they were initially released. So now you have a very vocal group of longtime Destiny players who are complaining that they feel shafted that these new players are getting such a great deal where they paid far more for the DLC packs when they first came out. So my question to you guys, do they have uh, any legitimacy to the argument where they're saying that we shouldn't, that, that these people shouldn't have to pay less and get more for their money? Or is it a case of, well, you guys got a day one, and so you have an advantage over other players, so you shouldn't be that upset that you paid the extra 20 bucks to get the content before anybody else? 
Yeah, no, they don't have any kind of case at all. That's ridiculous. That's like complaining that I bought like that I bought something five years ago and then mad that someone bought the same thing years later at a cheaper price. I mean, it, games themselves nowadays, it's like you buy it day one at $60 and then like two months later it's 40 and then two months mm-hmm. after that it's 30 It's like the same thing. Like you bought it partially for the privilege of having it immediately and they're going to want to entice new people who for whatever reason didn't buy it before obviously it'll by making it cheaper that's a tactic to um that's a tactic to try to draw those people in who didn't feel like it was worth it to begin with isn't isn't the big con- i thought the big controversy was that there's like a bunch of crap that's only available by buying this special new collector's edition yeah uh, like a I, like a f- couple skins or like and like an emote or something and it's like 20 bucks that everyone's freaking out about yeah, it's it's. I think for completionists, it's a big deal to them because in Destiny there are a group of gamers that want to have every exotic weapon. Um, some exotics are not as good as others, and you know, I, and I don't know if these weapons and and little items that they're going to give out with this collector's edition will rival, say, something like the Galhorn or the Swordbreaker or or Icebreaker for that matter. But for those who want to have every single weapon, it appears that they would have to buy this package to get those weapons. Ah. Unless Destiny does something in the future where they make those weapons available like a year from now. Oh, um, yeah, it's Activision. You know they're probably either going to sell it separate <laughs> eventually or... Yeah, I thought I read that it'll be... they'll add That extra $20 of content that you get, they'll be it'll be available in September for 20 bucks for everyone that already has the game. So the people that get it first will be the people that buy this new collector's edition and then they're going to release it later. But I re- I also read it literally like is a, a couple skins and a couple new dances or something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's funny how, how, what gamers will get anger, angry about, you know? Well, it, and what, like the one thing that I read that P- I can see people legitimately getting angry about is apparently there's a couple of, a couple of levels or something in this new DLC that you can only earn by drinking Red Bull. Oh yeah, I read. Wait, that. what? Yeah, do you, Josh? Do you want to go into that? Oh yeah, like how there's like going to be an exclusive level and exclusive content by uh, by drinking Red Bull, and from what I understand, would you redeem a code from it? Something like that. Specify? Yeah, like like the something with the Red Bull gives you codes and then it, it'll, i think you have to drink a few cans of Red Bull or something and it'll unlock a <laughs> level. But I think right. the level, so this is, you know, people are pissed because this is, you know, they clearly designed this level for the um, the new DLC and then like they went into this thing with Red Bull and so now you have to like get the DLC. I think you do have to get the DLC and then you have to drink the Red Bull to get the code to unlock the level. Like it's just this multi-layered like crap. Like is it uh, is it like those old Nintendo sodas where they had codes at the bottom of the can? Like you had to drink oh the my soda. God, there was Nintendo sodas. The huh? <laughs> there was Nintendo soda. Yeah, like when I was a kid. How there old was are you guys? Soda. I'm I'm older than you. I'm, I'm like older 29. than both of you. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, but that's true. You had a peek at the bottom of the can for the code. I didn't know I was like talking to a bunch of seniors. Wait, wasn't that with uh, <laughs> wait? Wasn't that with a uh, squeeze it? Uh, the fuck is a squeeze it? Some- I don't know if they had anything to squeeze it, but <laughs> is that like Gogurt? It was like the Kool Aid uh, refreshers, but Kool Aid jammers, something like that. Yeah. It was it's the archaic jammers. Get off my lawn! I thought I thought the archaic jammers were Capri Sun. Uh, well, the jammers... Capri Suns were first, but then they had Squeeze Its. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like a poor man's Capri Sun. 
Yes, I'm gonna uh, shoot right. you a picture. Yeah, but the Nintendo sodas were actually little Nintendo cans, and like the Mario was cola, the Luigi was Sprite. Uh, I forgot what Toad was, and I could never figure out what Peach was. Some kind of toxic, um, <laughs> Water toxic Peach. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh. <laughs> so but, one of. Get sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, but the thing that really makes me mad about the Red Bull thing is that. I want to be able to, and if I buy this DLC, I want to be able to enjoy Destiny for as long as possible. And drinking that much Red Bull is definitely going to take years off my life. <laughs> so it's like it's completely counterproductive. So but one I mean, of the one of the best things to come from this whole DLC controversy with uh, with Destiny, um, however, is uh, the uh, developers Techland, no, Techland, I think the the guys who developed Dying Light um, have released their own DLC. Uh, you know, you got to drink a beverage for the DLC in response to it. So they're, it's actually a campaign they're doing. It's hashtag drink for DLC. Um, and basically, you're leveling up your game with the real king of hydration. So you basically, you tweet yourself <laughs> drinking a glass of water, and they'll send you a DLC code. And, that uh, is awesome. Which is hilarious. So they're totally capitalizing on this controversy. And then actually today I got a press release that they're actually ramping up the Drink for DLC campaign. So the more tweets that they get of people pic- taking pictures with themselves drinking water and with that hashtag, the more they get, the more free DLC that you, you get. So if they get 5,000, you get like an XP boost. 10,000 tweets, there's uh, another piece of free DLC. And then another piece at 20,000, 35,000, and 50,000. So potentially you can get a crap load of free DLC for just drinking water and taking pictures of it. And, and it's just a hilarious marketing campaign. And whoever did that is like, whoever came up, <laughs> whoever was like, we should do this, but with water is a fucking genius. And it's ironic too, because they also developed Dead Island. And that was the game that was infamous for having NPCs that would ask you to find them water. Oh, I didn't even realize while. that. That's so funny. Yeah. And it was funny because it was like, they would ask you to find them water on their side missions while they were in a room surrounded by water. And that was always the weirdest thing to me. Like, you do know right around the corner what you're asking for is is right there. It was, like, on the table right next to them a lot of the times. It was, like... Get me water! (laughs) And you had to get the specific crate from, like, the opposite end of the map while they're standing... While they're surrounded by water bottles. Has has Mega64 done anything on this yet? I don't think so. (laughs) It seems like something they should have done, like, years ago. (laughs) Get me water! They just go random people begging for water where they're like, you know. Like standing next to one of those vending (laughs) machines that you put a quarter in. Like, I need water. Go Uh, across town and bring me a case. (laughs) They apparently only drink Voss water on Dead Island. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. So we have, uh, so I think we're getting away from DLC now. We had five, four straight stories of just DLC. Um, And we mentioned Squeeze, it's a Nintendo soda. Which, which I know. by the way, Shasta, that was who that they team, uh, teamed up with. Oh, Shasta put out Nintendo soda? Yeah, I put a picture on a, on our um, Skype if you guys oh, check it out. Oh, crap. I never right knew there. that. No wonder it's it was like terrible. It's like those little 8-ounce cans. So going up, uh, Drive Club now is a PS Plus edition is finally here. What, like eight months later? Is that how long it's been? <laughs> I, I forget. I think it was even before we started recording the show. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think that we were, yeah, I think we were talking about the release like in the first couple of episodes or something like that. Ah, uh, yes, I remember it yesterday. It's playing my mind with the sepia yeah. filter. So what's what's really funny about this annou- like announcement is that 
it actually popped up on the PlayStation Store, Drive Club PlayStation Plus Edition, like on Tuesday or something like that. And people were, you know, it was starting to gain traction. People are like, oh, the PS Plus Edition is finally here. It's finally here. And a few people are downloading it. Then a couple hours later, they pull it because they said it wasn't ready yet. <laughs> they said the server, <laughs> they were still dealing with servers or something like that. So literally this thing, you know, like that was the issue in the first place is that the game's servers were fucked or something so that they couldn't release the PlayStation Plus edition because the people that paid for the game weren't even able to play online for the longest time and they were fixing issues and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, and then there was those reports that, okay, we don't know if the PS Plus edition is ever actually going to release. Um, and then it pops up on the store only for them to take it down two hours later. And then I think it even a little bit of time passed and then they were like okay it's actually coming on thursday like it just we just jumped the gun a little bit so now it is actually fish officially finally available uh to download i actually have it partially downloaded because I, I haven't played drive club yet because i was just like i'm gonna play the playstation plus edition and if i like it then i'll pick it up and i think a lot of people were like that um mm-hmm. so i wonder how many sales the game lost because you know that that playstation plus edition never came out because it looks right. fun it looks and the graphics in that game are insane yeah, especially and it's now funny, that they've though, added the weather effects and stuff like that. Right, and it's funny though that I just saw Drive Club in a GameStop yesterday for like thirty bucks, so yeah, it's already it's, taken such a huge um, price drop. But the I think the real funny thing about this is it took so long to come out that by now everyone's hard drives are full, so you can't <laughs> actually download it. Oh God, I know mine is. Yeah, no, mine's been full. I keep having to delete stuff. Yeah, me too. I'm, it's surprising because I haven't put I haven't put that many games in my PS4, but it's like almost every time I try to put a new retail game in, it's like you got to delete shit. Yeah, when every but when every game's like a fifty gig install, and then a yeah. hundred of a hundred of your five hundred gigs are already used up on like operating system. Yeah, things, and then like gigantic like... patches if you've ever played like Watch Dogs or Assassin's Creed or anything. Now, forgive me yeah. for asking an ignorant question, but for PS4, can you attach an external hard drive to it? No, it is the only I don't console. Know, I th- you can. I don't know if you can do it for games, though. Oh, okay. But you, yeah, it does I... have a replaceable hard drive. It is user-replaceable. Oh, okay. Right. And unlike the PS3, it doesn't void the warranty this time. <laughs> and uh, and there is a, apparently a terabyte uh, version coming out shortly as well. Oh, uh, is it for the it, PS4? For the PS4, yeah. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, I don't know a lot about it. I've just read that, that there is one coming out shortly. Yeah, right. because... After E3, I have to tell you, like, it was so hard to look at my living room setup and notice that I don't have a PS4, you know, because I, I like I feel like, all right, I need to have it. I have to have one. And uh, when my and I got I love my wife so much because I showed her um, the video of people's reactions to Last Guardian, Shenmue 3 and Final Fantasy 7's remake. And I think there was a guy uh, that she just like kind of teared up with. Uh, I think his name is the Beastly Gamer, and <laughs> and uh, he had a reaction like, uh, you know, big dude just on his couch, and he's watching the Final Fantasy uh, announcement, and he's tearing up, like he's like, "Don't do this to me!" And then you see the, the cloud. Uh, he's walking with the the back with the sword, and the word remake comes out, and his eyes just turn red, and he covers his mouth slow motion style. And my wife just says, oh, my God, he's so adorable. And then right One after ha- that, he's – I'm sorry. And right after that, the Shenmue announcement goes up. And he can't even uh, – in the in the words of Shane O'Hare, I can't even – I just can't. I've lost the ability to can. And was just to see – I think it wasn't – you know when you're so hype you can't even act hype? <laughs> 
Like he was frozen in his seat. He couldn't even tear up. He was just that overwhelmed with emotion. Would it be safe to say that he stayed hyped? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and my wife asked, like, what is it with Shenmue? And I go, oh my god! It's just one of those games that people grew up with, and the story is just so fantastic, and the music. Don't even get me started on the music. <laughs> the the thing and, about Shenmue though is, since they've announced it, I've had so many people ask me what's the big deal, and it's the hardest thing to explain it, because it, it, Shenmue was such a was so ahead of its time that everything that it did in 1999 are all a bunch of things that became commonplace maybe five years ago or so. Right. So it's like. Like so, the enthusiasm that I'm trying to share is so hard to convey. I think I need to revive the um, underground games and just go in depth as to why it's such a such a great game. If, yeah, exactly. What you said. For at, during when it came out, it was doing it was ahead of its time. If it came out five years later, it would have been like every other game. But it, it was the first to do what it did, and and uh, to me, just the mu- the music when you hear it, it's just ah. Like I, I, I love seeing reaction videos and even the crowd. Like it was just, I think even it just caught everyone off guard. I mean, with the Kickstarter controversy aside, just the sheer announcement of it was was an emotional overload. And I and I have friends like my Carlos and and Riku. For those of you guys who are listening, hey, how's it going? Um, you know, how you going, Cal Cobana? Give me a shout out that way. But <laughs> it, it's like they love Shenmue. And I, I the, like a couple years ago when a new Mega Man was announced for Smash Brothers Four, I thought of Ash Paulson, and like that's the only person I was thinking about, like what he's going through right now. And somebody, please watch him because he's probably having a heart attack. I was thinking of Riku and Carlos Lopez. Like somebody check on those guys right now because I, I know this Shenmue announcement just got him, and you too, because I know you have you own Shenmue, don't you? The original. Yeah, I, I beat both of them. I played the first one I think five times through. Oh my god! Yeah. So, so she's my wife saw this and so she goes, "Is this only available for PlayStation?" I goes, "Like, I yeah, at the time, yeah, I think it's only going to be a PlayStation Four thing, and PC." Um, but uh, I think um, eventually we're going to have to get a PS4 because my wife loves story-driven games, and I know Uncharted Four is something. Even just the Uncharted games, I'm going to have to buy it just so I can play Uncharted uh, again because she needs to see the story. She doesn't like playing those games, but she loves seeing those games being played. Right, right, um, and but, yeah, a lot of those games are like that, I think. And and, and hopefully, if you know, if, if if Shenmue three does come, and I think it's already been funded tenfold at this point, right. uh, that uh, we I could hopefully show those games too, and hopefully they really release if it's even possible the first Shenmue because the first Shenmue is only available on Dreamcast, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's only available on Dreamcast. I'm really hoping for an HD remaster because oh like, god, like please. we were just like we were just talking about it's the hardest thing to explain to people nowadays. So you just have to experience that game to really understand what the big deal is. And considering, you know, and we usually trash the way HD remasters have been handled, but if there's a game that needs it, it's the game that was released 16 years ago. That's only playable on a long dead console. That would be such a pain to gather everything up. Even if you were trying to play part two on the, original xbox even that's kind of a pain to gather up everything just to play it nowadays so i'm really curious to see how these uh mom and pop independent game stores how the price of a dreamcast is probably shot up over the weekend oh yeah shenmue itself is like what 200 bucks yep something like that i think at the time uh you could buy one for about 30 35 bucks right but I wonder if the, if the price was affected just a little bit over that Shenmue now. Some people <laughs> very interested in, you know, in forking over the 150 200 bucks to play the original. Right. No, um, I wouldn't be surprised. But, 
Yeah, but uh, you know there there is some other more positive news when we're talking about PC. The Batman news is kind of a bummer. The mother, the, I mean, humble humble bundle is just great in itself. Uh, Nintendo teamed up with Humble Bundle not too long ago. They released all these great indie games for a really good price. I need to, I need to redeem those codes. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, Are you too. serious, Derek? Yeah, oh, my God. I, I, I didn't redeem them either. But uh, well, after this show, we know what you're doing. Because Buying I don't want to go drive? to Comic-Con in two weeks and find out you still haven't doing it. And by the way, I just realized two weeks from today, we're all going to be at Comic-Con. Yep. Oh, First God, time that all of us are going to be together since we started this show. Uh, Jonathan, Derek, Josh, myself, Eric, Matt. Is Matt going to be there? No, Matt. Is Harry uh, no, Matt. Uh, and uh, Is Jake. Is Shane legally allowed to be here? <laughs> I guess we'll have uh, to I find think, out. I think, Did, didn't he get a... Uh, didn't they slap a restraining order on him for running over all those people? That's that's what <laughs> at the, the zombie walk was that him? I think so. The, I think so. Yes, I think so. But uh, yeah, from my knowledge, he is uh, he is okay to go. Um, we have to just be within five feet of him at all times, just you know, for precautionary measures. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been forewarned. Shane O'Hare will be in San Diego. In the flesh, all of us, we're going to record live a Geekscape Games podcast there. That'll I'm be really episode. excited for that. It's going to be awesome. I am too. That's our first time since this show started that we're all going to be there together. Yeah. Ah, yeah, because no, I haven't been to... going to be an occasion. I haven't been down since last Comic-Con because I couldn't make Kamikaze this year. So it's going to be great to get back down there. It's going to be yeah. hot. Uh, yes, it is. So bring lots of shorts. Leave the jeans at home. I think uh, I only I brought we'll shorts last pa- year. Yeah, just bring one pair of jeans for the parties, but, you know... Uh, we have that YouTube party that we have to go to. So many parties. Ah, the life of the Geekscape. The games Batman. Podcast. Batman. I think. I'm just the... gonna lock myself in the. I'm just gonna lock myself in the hotel room and keep playing games. <laughs> just bring well, bring we'll, your we'll, Wii U and you'll just play some Splatoon. Yeah, the married men will stay home and play. <laughs> uh, but going to this this humble bundle thing, uh, it it amazes me, and this is one of the reasons why I envy Shane for being a PC gamer and why I don't have a. Uh, oh, the PC deals. Myself. The deals, but I mean, I've seen some good deals before, but this, correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, I mean, this has to be one of the best deals ever. It's pretty, for, for, it's pretty freaking, I mean, well, so this is, of course, Humble Bundle is always pay what you want, of, always when you, of course, if you pay over the average of something, you get, um, you know, you get more stuff, uh, but the, it's ridiculous, I mean, because you've got on the PS4 and Xbox One, I mean, you've got the Borderlands Handsome Jack collection, but that's like a full retail price game, right? Like 69 right. bucks. I mean, not for you guys probably, but here it's probably 79 because I'm in Canada. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so literally now, you like a game with taxes, I'm almost at 100 bucks. Like, it's crazy. Um, but anyway, so the Humble, Humble, Humble Borderlands bundle pay what you want to unlock borderlands and three dlc packs for borderlands which was yeah, uh, the zombie island of dr ned mad moxie's under dome riot and the secret armory of general Knox. if you pay more than the average which right now is only 642 which that's I feel ridiculous. like i feel like that's kind of sad like that's just people being like i just want these games for cheap and i don't care about charity like <laughs> you know get on there try to raise that average a little bit but if you pay more than the average you're going to also unlock borderlands 2 the borderlands 2 psycho pack uh, Borderlands 2 Necromancer pack, Borderlands 2 Creature Slaughter Dome, a coupon for 75% off Borderlands the pre-sequel, <laughs> uh, and there's more coming soon. Okay, it, Derek, there possibly can't be any more on that. We cannot but, let any more go. But wait, go. there's more. If you pay more than $15, you get the Borderlands 2 Ultimate Vault Hunter Upgrade Pack 2, 
a Borderlands 2 Headhunter 5, Son of Cromax, and a Borderlands 2 Season Pass, which has four DLC add-ons for Borderlands 2, plus a coupon for 25% off the 2K store. Okay. All for $15. Anybody in LA, this is crazy Gideon status good. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it Pioneer Chicken good? <laughs> yes. I mean, so if you pay 15 bucks, you're getting everything that Derek just said. I, I mean, my God, that, that's you're set for the entire year and then some. That's, yeah, that still won't stop everyone from buying all these other games, though. No, it won't. Definitely. And I'm looking at the numbers. Over 123,000 bundles have been sold. Wow. And the average is still only like... As low as Derek six dollars and forty two cents, yeah, which is a little bit sad. Come a on, lot at sad. least at least twenty five bucks, man. Come on now, and it all goes to charity, right? Yeah, I mean, part part of it goes to I, you get to choose with the humble bundle. It'll go between uh, between the charity, between two uh, K, and between the humble uh, bundle themselves, the group. So you choose where your money goes. Um, well. Uh- well, that, according to the, I'm looking at this. The deal goes for 11 more days, um, so that would be, I think, by July 4th. Oh no, no, actually, no. Um, I think uh, July, yeah, July 5th, I believe, is when it ends. But it's oh, 146 dollars worth of stuff now. Um, for what? 20 bucks? I would throw 20 bucks at this. Yeah, it's but pretty, my God, it's pretty unreal. That, that's unreal. I mean, geez. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. buy it and then buy a copy for your friends because Borderland is fucking boring if you're playing by yourself. You know what? That's a really good point. That's an excellent point. So at least what, fifteen bucks to get all that? You know what? Uh, throw thirty dollars or hell for the price of a game that you would pay. Let's say if you're going to buy Batman Arkham Knight for sixty dollars, hell, buy Borderlands Humble Bundle for yourself and get it for three friends, and you could play that. Yeah, because uh, and that's it. Like. It's a game I tried to play the first Borderlands, like I on PS3, like by myself, like I just rented it or something, and I was like, "What the hell do people like about this game? This is super boring." And then, uh, you know, like years later, like this is like last year, uh, a bunch of friends bought and I bought Borderlands Two when it was on like a Steam sale or something, and started like playing it uh, via LAN like once a week. So much fun! So if it's if Border Borderlands is a series where if you tried it to play by your and played it by yourself you probably didn't like it because it's not very fun but it's so much fun and it's so addicting if you're playing with other people so so yeah this is a great opportunity to grab a few copies you know grab a copy for yourself give a couple gift uh bundles and then have a freaking blast playing lan on it absolutely uh you know what if for those of you who play destiny if you've never played borderlands and i can't imagine that you haven't but if this describes borderlands is like cartoon destiny yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And you could spend hours on it. You literally can. So uh, absolutely get on top of that. And it's speaking like Destiny of, with more story and less space. And speaking about stories and speaking about friendships, and even even more than friendships, uh, I wrote about this. I thought you were going to say speaking of getting on top of things. <laughs> Damn it, that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> there, you are undeniably the king of segues. Uh, well, speaking of getting on top of things... Uh, I, I, I saw this pop up in the news about two days ago, and by far to me, this is the best news. Um, I know that we're supposed to be a little bit uh, unbiased here, but my God, um, this is fantastic. Uh, you know, you guys remember when Tomodachi Life was released, um, that there was a glitch that allowed you to marry uh, somebody of the same sex, like you could have two guys get married. Um, 
well, Nintendo took that glitch out, but there was some kind of an outcry um, that uh, you know that we would like to see that in a game. And it's you know, and there are gamers who from the LGBT community that you know, if we have gamers that are gay and that would like to see something like that in a video game. And I thought maybe for a long time we wouldn't see that, but turns out in Fire Emblem Fates, players will all be allowed to have same-sex marriages. And so if you wanted to have uh, Krom and Marth get married, say, in Fire Emblem Awakening, um, while you couldn't do that there, you can do this with this upcoming game. But the catch is that there will be two versions of the game, kind of like with Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue or X and Y or Black and White. You'll have to buy either the Conquest version, and I'm trying to uh, look at my own article to remember the other name, Uh, Birthright. I think it's Birthright. Yeah, birthright. So if you want to get two, if you want to have uh, two males marry each other, you have to buy the conquest version. If you want the female and female version, you have to buy birthright. But uh, what do you guys think for uh, for this move, where Nintendo is saying, yes, the we have to have games that reflect the communities that play our games, so same sex marriages will be allowed. Do you think this is more of a of a good move, or it's going to be a PR nightmare for them? I think it's about time. No. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have such a wide variety of players, and uh, I feel like it's, of course, it's always going to be a positive if you're going to be able to represent more players in the way that they're able to experience the game that represents themselves, especially if they take the same approach they did with Awakening, where the main character is your own created character. So it's like, it's unfair that you would be able to create a character that's supposed to represent you, but doesn't represent you know, doesn't actually represent you. So, no, there's absolutely no drawback to this, I feel. No, definitely. I mean, I, I, it's stupid if we live in a world where people still get offended by that shit, and it's sad that we do, but uh, I, it's a great move. And, and I, I mean, it would have been cool had Nintendo... I, it sucked that it was a glitch in Tomodachi Life that, you know, unfortunately they removed... Um, and I get that it would have been, you know, it would have been a huge coding nightmare and, you know, the, the 3DS doesn't really get big patches or anything like that. So to officially add that into that version, uh, into that game would have been a nightmare, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm sure that it's something that will start to, you know, in the next Tamadachi life, I'm sure it'll be absolutely in there. And it's, you know, and it's a trend that we're starting to see in more games and, and it'll be nice when it's just, you know, it's not something we even have to talk about because it's not a bit like. It'll be nice when we don't have to talk about it because it's not a big deal because everything should have it. Like, Agreed. Um, at, right, at right. One of our own Geekscape uh, readers left a comment on the article. Jcat from uh, Jcat New York wrote, uh, Yet another reason to love Nintendo, other than still making some of the best games in the industry. Years from now, topics like this will be such a non-issue, just like you said, Derek. Uh, people are still learning to, to live and let live. Hope everyone gets to evolve and leave their hate huts. So yeah, so hopefully yeah, like just like you said, uh, it's gonna get to the point where this is not even something that we have to write an article about. And I hope it's sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, so Josh, you have something up that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, just real quick, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. We were just talking about Shenmue a little bit earlier, uh, right after we recorded the show last week. Um, what everyone had pretty much suspected was confirmed when Sony came out and said that they're doing the majority of funding on Shenmue themselves. Uh, which ended up creating quite a bit of backlash to the degree where people were saying, you know, why do you need Kickstarter if you're already funding it? 
because Sony had outright admitted that this Kickstarter was essentially just to gauge interest to see whether or not they were going to proceed with the project. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that issue because, you know, Kickstarter is supposed to be to um, help gate or uh, products or games get off the ground that wouldn't otherwise. And a lot of arguments have been made over the last week that if it was just a test interest and they shattered their initial goal um, within hours, there's obviously the interest there. So is there still a need for the Kickstarter? What do you guys think about it? I think that, uh, I mean, I feel like Kickstarter for a lot of things, it, it Kickstarter came out with the, it, it, in essence, it was, yeah, to get projects off the ground that otherwise never would exist. You know, we saw it with a lot of great tech products that are now big companies, but it's becoming more and more of, you know, it's almost becoming a pre-order store for stuff, right? And so, you know, for mm-hmm. instance, if you look at the Pebble, like the first, the, the Pebble smartwatch, the first Pebble was a brand new company that was just doing, you know, they were looking for a hundred thousand dollars, I believe was their goal. And it was such a, it, it was a brand new type of product and it basically kickstarted not only the, the, the pebble, but an entire industry, um, you know, which now Google and Apple and, and so many other competitors are, are, are in, um, but, you know, and then, for instance, they came up with the Pebble Time, which was already on the, uh, which was already in production. They still went to Kickstarter. It basically becomes a store for a lot of that stuff. And I think it's totally fair for, because Shenmue, you know, for instance, when we look back to the first Shenmue and it, whatever, it cost $70 million. And I think you said last week that for it to break even, every single Dreamcast owner would have to buy two copies. Like, oh my God. Game, you know, games right. have only gotten substantially more expensive since those days. So I feel like it's fair for a company to gauge interest before putting in, an, uh, you know, the, the majority of funding for a, what's bound to be a really expensive product. And I mean, essentially, what they've done is, you know, by in terms of gauge they've gauged their interest which exists and basically just created a pre-order store for it right right essentially and so it's you know it's i feel like it's kind of like a gray area like it's kind of shitty but otherwise how you know i would rather have a world where they threw shenmue 3 on kickstarter with a you know a fairly small goal in comparison to what the the game is actually going to cost um and now the game exists rather than then just basically think oh we don't think there'll be enough interest in this so let's just not do it or talk about it like i'd rather be in that world where yeah it kind of sucks it's on kickstarter when sony has money but now the game exists yeah, and you know, right, I, right. I think just for uh, for the majority of Shenmue fans, if you looked at the reaction when it was made at E3, it's like they didn't even care. Like, I didn't see any reaction where like, wait a minute, Sony's funding this? This seems a little shitty. No, it was just like, I'm just glad Shenmue 3 is happening. You know, but right, w- right. when it will come out, who's to say? But the fact that it's going to happen, um, I, I would like, yeah, I would rather have it than worry about the business side of it. I just want to play the damn game. Right, and we can only hope that it's going to be as good as the standards that the legend of Shenmue has built up over the last uh, f- uh, 16 years or so. And then the last piece of news that just broke right before we came on, actually, was, and I guess we could start with wrestling and end with wrestling, because WWE 2K16 <laughs> um, announced that they will have 120 unique character models featured in the game. Now, the wording that they're using is very, uh, very carefully worded, to say the least, because as you probably know, Juan, or anyone who's played these games, the last couple of years has padded the roster with multiple versions of the same character yes. treated as separate people. Yes. So um, in previous years where they had like 
1998 Triple H and then 2005 Triple H and then Triple H. <laughs> um, so Catering Triple I'm, H. Yeah, right. So I'm willing to bet that this one's going to have John Cena, John Cena versus Kurt Angle in his debut, Rapper Cena, oh, Nexus Cena, Money in the Bank 2011 Cena, the prototype Cena in the background of Ready to Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Let's just hope that they can actually have a full Divas roster for once instead of just five characters and then selling the rest as DLC. Speaking of Divas, can we get a Blue Pants model? Yes, can we please get Blue Pants in the With game? With the same theme music. <laughs> because that's the... Uh, Derek. The Price is Right. And I, it's, just, I, it's just some other wrestlers singing The Price is Right the guy from uh, the, the Soft, those guys, the, 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 the um, seven foot... T- Enzo and yeah, Enzo, Isn't it a big cast who's doing it? Yeah. yeah, but but Derek, when you when we finish this show, I'll send you a link to the YouTube of Blue Pants. She will be your favorite wrestler, <laughs> okay. just on the theme song alone. Okay. She has no name. Her name is Blue Pants. Sounds good, and she's easy on the eyes too. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, now we're going to the games that we played this week. Obviously, a lot of new stuff. Uh, but I'm going to let Derek, guys. I know you've been playing Fallout Shelter for quite some time. Yeah. So it's been it's been kind of a light week for me gaming. I went to. Um, Alberta actually for the first time this uh this weekend so I actually just got back but of course I brought my iPad with me and I played a bunch of Fallout Shelter um it's so I mean they their story broke today that it's like the at the top of the app store in like more than 48 countries or something like that so it's been a huge release everyone I know with an iOS device is playing it and and loving it because it's it's free to download the only in-app like I think I talked, I touched on this last week, but they were like, you know, we wanted to release a good free to play game without all that, like without a ton of gimmicky bullshit. Like, you know, when you're building a room, you have to wait this long and then, you know, like, or everything you do costs energy and you have to like wait this long until your energy goes up or you can buy more energy. Like they don't do any of that in the game. The only, the only in-app purchases, um, that you can do is you can buy these lunch boxes that give you like, uh, I think it's like five random cards um, and the cards equate to like this much, uh, this many caps or this much food or uh, maybe a special dweller that has really good like abilities and so they can help your production more. But you can also earn those in the game um, because you get three objectives and, and sometimes the object, sometimes completing the objectives um, will give you caps and sometimes it'll give you a lunchbox. But the game is a blast. It's really addicting. Even if you've never played Fallout, it's basically like you have to build and, and kind of manage uh, the 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 citizens in in a city type thing and it's it's really fun and it's free so if you have an ios device it'll be soon on android um you know you're welcome download it and uh, i'm sorry for recommending it because it's addicting as shit uh it's really good the the only other game i've played this week have you guys heard of something called uh her story no no Uh, no i haven't so I just heard about this game yesterday. I don't know how I missed it, but it actually just released yesterday. But I started seeing some some of the gamers uh, and reviewers and stuff that I follow on Twitter talking about this game called Her Story. Um, it's actually Her Story is an FMV adventure video game. So FMV, of course, being full motion video like Night Trap and all that crap from back in the day. Um, so this one okay. it was developed by this guy named Sam Barlow, who was at, he he was actually in charge of uh, like Silent Hill Shattered Memories and and, and some other game that was really popular. Um, so kind of like those cool like psychological um, style games. So it came out yesterday for Windows uh, OS 10 and iOS. So I've been playing it on my iPad. Basically, in the game, you 
the, the way the story works is you 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 have a database of police video clips and you're trying to solve the case of this man that's missing and so basically what you have is um you know it's like an old school crt computer screen and you just have a database of uh videos and and to access the videos you have to search different terms and you know you basically you're put in this game with no instruction and you basically you're trying to figure out what happened to this dude and so there is like more than 300 video clips and stuff that you access by searching different terms so of course if i search you know i search one thing and it pops up a couple of videos when i watch those videos it's going to give me other, like i'm going to think of other things to search in that um you know that that go along with that and it has some really really cool mechanics and it's really cool like it's really well done like the videos are all old and crappy looking because the game is set in like uh the the your, the interviews are all from like 1994 um so yeah, you're basically, as like the Wikipedia article says, it says, in the game, players sort through old video clips from interviews containing answers from questions asked to a British woman named Hannah about her missing husband. Uh, the words are transcribed, and you can search for new clips by searching these transcriptions in a database, attempting to solve the case by piecing together information from them. It sounds, by you know, by talking about it, it sounds really, really dry. It's a lot better than I'm, <laughs> it's a lot better than I'm describing it. It's actually like like I was like I'm gonna play this for 15 minutes. Like when I got home from work today, and I played it for like an hour and a half because it was just like the you know because it it's it doesn't guide you through anything. Like you literally have to like watch these videos and figure out what you're gonna search next. And so in that, like no two people are probably gonna have the same, you know, they're not gonna learn the story in the same way because the videos, you know, you're revealing stuff as you're searching things and as you're watching stuff. And so I'm gonna learn things in a completely different order than you are, which is gonna change how I search and how I learn other things. And it's really well done. The video, it's really well acted. it's getting actually really, really great reviews, and it's like five bucks. Um, so yeah, so the the game's five uh, four ninety nine to download on the App Store. Uh, you can also go to herstorygame.com. dot um, You know, it, it, there's a trailer and stuff on there. I'm actually uh, I'm gonna post it up to the to geekscape.net because. You know, I, last night I was just like, this sounds kind of interesting. And I've, you know, because I'm a little bit younger than you guys, I kind of missed the whole FMV thing. And all I know is, you know, they're pretty notorious for all being terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty true. <laughs> but this is really, really, really unique. And it's really nice, really neat. So, like, for instance, PC Gamer said, her story has all the all the drama and intrigue of the best TV crime shows, but plays to the interactive strengths of the meeting in a me- medium uh, in a daring, imaginative way. So, yeah, like I said, I, I intended to play it for 15 minutes, but it gets so gripping so fast that I'm like, I'm just going to search one more thing. And, you know, it becomes like when you're watching Netflix and you're like, one more episode, one more episode, one more episode. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to do one more search because something that I that w- was revealed in this video was so interesting that I don't want to stop at this point. So it's really, really cool. Um, I definitely recommend it. That sounds really interesting. I would say if you can play it on any, and I mean, you wouldn't, you don't need a fast computer or anything, I would imagine. But if you can play it on a computer, play it on a computer. Um, I... I bought it on the iPad and the iPad version runs great and stuff like that. But I didn't realize that once you watch the videos, you can actually tag them um, with like tags so that you can search them easier later or link them together and stuff like that. And it's obviously faster to type that on a physical keyboard than it is on the iPad keyboard when that pops up. I have a physical keyboard for my iPad, so it became a non-issue as soon as I remembered that I had a physical keyboard. But um but yeah, no, it's it, any way you can play it. It's a great, it, I haven't finished it yet, but I, you know, I'm probably going to finish this and go right back to it because it's really, really gripping. Nice. 
Um, if it if it ends up beating out plumbers, don't wear tires. I'll be shocked. <laughs> uh, I've been playing a game that was released several months ago, but I just revisited it. Um, Kirby's Canvas Curse for the Wii U. Um, my wife and I, you know, we try to play multiplayer games as much as we can. There are a few titles that she doesn't mind just sitting and watching me play and veg out. Uh, she wants to do that with Arkham Knight. Thank goodness I don't have the PC version. But she was like, I want to play a game with you. And and so we've pretty much gone through as much as Hyrule Warriors as we can. There's just one more thing we have to do for it. Uh, but I said, you know what? Let's try something a little bit different. So I popped in Canvas Curse. I, I played the first, you know, the single player mode. But it is a different game entirely when you have a multiplayer. And Josh, you said you played it with your wife too, right? Yeah, Megan just picked it up the other day and is on the way to 100%ing it. She's actually at 99% right now. Oh my now. gosh. And yeah, like... You can have up to, I think, four other players, so five in yeah. total. And, and it makes the game, it makes it way easier, and it's already a fairly easy game, but it's still so much fun. It, it really is, because you have you that have completionist like, thing, right? You have to get all the five chests and get as many stars as you can and beat everybody else for it. Right, and since the other players are like traditional platform characters, they can just jump up and grab the secrets while Kirby rolls along yeah it, it's so much fun like we must have done we must have said one more level at least four times right and then not only that too but I don't know if you've seen this yet but there's actually an added mechanic when you're playing co-op where certain areas will trap Kirby and then the co-op players have to yeah, defeat the enemy that. and keep them from getting to Kirby yeah because so I, like, I don't remember special... that happening when I was playing single player but at certain points, like the screen will be bordered with purple haze, and then the hands come out, and it, yeah, she has to save me. And so, it's, yeah, because Kirby can't touch the hands, mm-hmm. or they carry him away. Yeah, so I, I thought that was a nice little add-in, uh, but yeah, it made the game so much more fun. So now I know that's going to be the thing that we're going to be doing when we come home from work is just throwing in a couple levels of Kirby's Canvas Curse, um, and then after that, of course, uh, playing some Batman Arkham Knight. I just got to the point. Spoiler, sorry. Um, so cover your ears. Where I it just got Derek yeah, cover your ears, cover your ears uh, <laughs> where I just dropped off a certain I'll, I'll you know I, I'll describe it without giving it away I dropped off a certain villain at the police station right at the beginning of the game was it Poison Ivy yes it was so okay Dan. I saw that video on YouTube it was like a okay. gameplay video a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago Mm-hmm. But it pretty much stops when she gets dropped off, so I don't know anything beyond that. Okay, that's uh, then afterwards I started using the Batmobile. Um, I'm not a big fan of the controls of the Batmobile. It seems really loose, uh, but that just be maybe the Mario Kart player talking. Um, right. Yeah, so it's not Mario Kart Batmobile, but it, 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 there is a slight – it's real sensitive with the turns. And there's a lot going on with when you start the strafing and the tank. So it's definitely something that you have to sit and kind of like, all right, this is what you do when you want him to go this way and you want the Batmobile to do this. And I must have summoned the Batmobile at least four times when in combat with uh, thugs. So I'm just doing combos and then all of a sudden the Batmobile shows up. And I'm like, oh, uh, thank you. Um, but I think I can handle these two thugs by myself. <laughs> like I don't need, to, right. I don't need the the anti-air missiles for this guy with the baseball bat but <laughs> hey at least i have that option yeah because i mean the button some of the buttons are remapped so it's like if you played the other arkham games, and i have like you'll accident you'll accidentally do a lot of things yeah it, and you don't mean to do like but damn what batman it does show that batman has a really big budget <laughs> like, yeah right for all this stuff <laughs> like hey man if we had this car what was this car for the first two games we would have beat that game in 20 minutes flat 
<laughs> yeah, right. Which is fortunate he has it now because it seems like he can't do much without it. And they, it's, it seems to have a lot of sections where you do need that game. Oh, do need that car for the game. Right. Uh, I'm looking at this yeah. list, and are all these from E3? Yeah, most of them are from E3. Oh, do you want to go through this um, list? Yeah, I'll go through it quick. I just want to touch on the ones that really left an impression on me. A lot of them are more niche. Uh, so, well, before we get into niche, though, like my um, experience with Batman so far, like echo pretty much everything that you said so far. The only thing I wanted to add to it was the my I'm fine with the loose Batmobile controls, but my biggest problem is that R2 is to accelerate, but then L2 is to go into tank yes. mode and like square is to go in reverse. And it feels so That's pretty weird. Like backwards. Com- like, you know, usually you're used to the opposite trigger being uh, used to go in reverse. So I just, I keep going into tank mode when I want to go backwards and I've driven off of so many buildings by accident because of that. But, um, but yeah, outside of Batman, um, I did attend E3 last week and got to play a lot of really interesting games. Um, I wanted to start with uh, Metroid Prime Blast Ball, which is part of the Federation Force. And, you know, for all of the uh, crap that it's been getting, and I understand it, I've defended this game plenty of times in the past, but I compare it to Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts in the sense that Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts was, wasn't a bad game, but it was a bad Banjo-Kazooie game because people had been waiting for a new one for more than for like almost 10 years and when you get it it was nothing like Banjo-Kazooie and I feel like if Federation Force was taken in as its own game as opposed to being tied to Metroid it would uh, its um, reception would be a lot more forgiving but I mean with that said uh, Reggie did make some interesting comments about Federation Force as far as how if social media existed when Wind Waker came out, there would have probably been petitions to cancel that too. And I agree, being around at that time was ridiculous. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that it plays well. And the time, the little bit of time that I played uh, with Blast Ball, I mean, it controlled well. Um, the game was highly competitive. Um, and it was just a blast being able to go back and forth with the other teams and being able to like try to score on them now like the actual campaign wasn't at e3 but so far so good as far as what i've experienced from blast ball so there you go people someone who actually played the game is telling you the impressions it's not just by the trailer not by angry tweets but josh played the game yeah no and it's a lot of fun i, I definitely empathize with the people who are disappointed that it wasn't like a main quote-unquote metroid game but i mean as in its in its defense as its own thing like it's definitely on track to being a great 3ds title i think and in the pre-show not to not to because uh, i know we're running along on time but in the pre-show we talked about how um nintendo ha- i'm you know this is just all assumption but you know how there's this uh fear that you know younger gamers will not know what metroid is they know mario because i mean there's so many games with mario in it and so many iterations of mario you have paper mario you have mario rpg you have mario party you have the traditional mario games you have mario galaxy it's super mario land you know for the 3ds so when you have metroid for example where there's a whole generation of gamers that never played super metroid and where you see this federation force game this might be something that they're taking a page out of zelda where you have the traditional zelda games with the mature looking link but then you have like the wind waker universe of zelda the different look and you have toon link and then you have just link so i wouldn't be surprised if they're doing something like this for metroid where you have your traditional metroid but you have this you know small cartoony version of metroid especially the way the models look for federation force 
that's going to be catered towards the kids, especially since this is a 3DS title where we're more, you know, the younger gamers 12 and under have a 3DS. And so maybe this will be like an introductory thing. Hey, it's been a while since a Metroid game's been out. Let's reintroduce you to that universe. And then down the road, maybe sooner, hopefully than later, here's your quote unquote traditional Metroid game with Samus Aran. Right. No, and I hope that's the direction they go in, especially because Metroid is traditionally a more difficult game. So if they want to bring in new faces and more kids into it, a spinoff that's more, uh, I guess, more forgiving would definitely be a good way to Absolutely. do it. But uh, as far as the rest of what I played at E3, and I'll go through these quick, um, Earth Defense Force, uh, the, to my knowledge, and I might be wrong, the only one to release in America was on the Xbox 360 as like a like as a blink and you'll miss it budget title uh yeah there was um, actually an event i think it was late last year or this time last year right. in la that they had to release yeah 2024 or I, I know i got the year wrong but it, yeah it was a real quick release right right and it looks like um exceed is trying to go full on with uh bringing it to the west um it's even in japan it's more of a cult following but there's two of them coming out this fall uh one of them is a port of the second game which is coming to Vita which was the most successful one in Japan is the one that all the games after it are based around and then Earth Defense Force 4.1 is what they're calling it for PlayStation 4 is like the enhanced version of the standard 4 but since we never got standard 4 that's pretty much just 4 to us I guess but it's pretty much the closest that you'll get to a Starship Troopers game it's like you have different units that you can play as and it's a full-fledged 3D action adventure game and you're just going through these big cities like gunning down or using your jetpack to fly over hordes of like giant bugs and giant ants and alien spaceships and just blowing them out of the sky. And I mean it's not the most it's not the most polished game, but they're I think they're going for being crazy over the top and just being able to just run and gun and go crazy. But the thing about it is that the game it was pretty difficult even on normal and there were like five difficulties above that. So you still have to be kind of careful with how you play. And that one took me by surprise. Um, probably my favorite RPG at the show that I played was Lost Dimensions from Atlas. And it has this really interesting concept. It's like a com- It plays like uh, Valkyria Chronicles, where you have full control over your character, but your attacks have different range. And everyone in your party is a psychic, and you're climbing this tower to stop this terrorist group. But it's kind of like an RPG meets Clue huh. because the catch of the game is that in order to advance up a floor to get to the top of the tower, you have to kill one of your party members. Whoa. And, the th- and the thing is that a set amount of characters in your party are actually, um, are actually moles and are working with the enemy. But the, th- but the catch is that it's randomly generated every time who's a traitor and who's that not. That is awesome. And and you have to convince the rest of your party. Like, you get a game over if the party votes for you. <laughs> but if you have to convince your party to vote for the people that you think are the traitors. And according to the person who I spoke to at the convention, like, if you get to the very end, and he said you'll probably have maybe three or four people left, roughly, once you get to the end of the game. And once you get to the end, uh, if you guessed correctly, you know, you just fight the last boss with your team. But worst case scenario, you can end up with a party that's full of nothing but traitors, and then all of a sudden, the final boss is you fighting like five on oh one. Oh my gosh, that sounds against amazing. the rest of your party, and like, and each party member who—that's another thing too. Each party member who dies along the way leaves behind like an item that lets you carry over their abilities and add them to someone else. So theoretically, if you don't add them, 
if you add them to other party members and try to balance out that party, but one of those people ends up being a traitor, then you've just leveled up and powered up someone that you're going to have to fight at the end of the game. Holy crap, I so, want to play I mean, that It's now. a really, really interesting concept. Um, out, and then to touch on survival horror a little bit, which actually had a surprising presence at the show, um, Corpse Party, Blood Drive. It's actually the third game in a series that was on PSP that I completely missed, so I have to catch up. But um, speaking of survival horror, and we were talking about a little bit about Silent Hill's Shattered Memories earlier, this is the kind of survival horror game where you don't really have weapons. You're in a haunted uh, haunted school, I believe it was, and you can't. It's so dark that you can't see anything in front of you. So it's like you have to use your flashlight to be able to see like barbed wire or broken glass or just like like flesh piles that damage you but if you use your flashlight too much you'll alert this monster that will chase you throughout the stage and you have to try to avoid them and hide while you progress through the haunted house so it was really tense which is saying something considering you're in a convention center full of people and full of noise and I was still really on edge trying to get through the stage without getting killed and it just was a really interesting uh, concept but as far as more traditional survival horror and it's I don't, it's not classified a survival horror game, but it played like one to me. But uh, Danganronpa, another episode. Um, it has the whole like Dead Space third-person shooter perspective, where you're and I've talked about Danganronpa plenty of times, but this one, it's like you have these killer teddy bears that are trying to like kill you in this post-apocalyptic universe. And it's like you have to shoot them in specific spots to be able to do more damage, which unlocks more money to be able to upgrade more. And it's it's interesting too because outside of outside of just your standard run and gun, your uh, weapon does has different functions. So, for example, if you switch it to like a move function, if you shoot a car, it'll it'll force the car to drive forward and like run over everybody in its way. So it's like little things like that really helped it stand out. And then to finish it up, I played Amnesia, which I wrote about on a, on the site, which is going to be... And I, I figured you'd balance it out a little bit. I'm always talking about all the waifu games. This one's actually a husbando game. <laughs> so you play as this girl who lost her memories, and she has to rebuild her relationships with her five male friends oh, wow. in order to get her memories back. But the thing that's interesting and that made this game really stand out to me was that the game is going to have five playthroughs essentially and like each each path is a different dimension and each dimension has bits and pieces of her true backstory and then after you beat all five is when you unlock like a true end which combines all of the aspects of each scenario to fill in the full story but in each dimension like each each guy that she's interested in I guess will have a different role so it's like one dimension, one guy will be her love interest while another guy's like her coworker, and then in another dimension, that guy will be her love interest while the other guy is like her best friend or something. So it's like each time you play the game through, all the characters are kind of reshuffled. So and if even if that's not your thing, you can unlock the shirtless guys to rub on your Vita. So <laughs> if nothing else, there's that. And then lastly, Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth Three. I've talked plenty about this, so I won't say too much. Uh, just that I'm in the middle of my I played it at E3 and I have the review copy and I'm very angry that they treat my best girl Nepgear like crap in this one uh. so she's not a boring protagonist she was fantastic in part 2 and you know what I'm just making her the lead in my party 
So there's that. So you were a busy man. <laughs> yeah, I still have like 35 articles oh, that I'm God. in the middle of trying to wrap up. For hey, E3. don't feel too bad. I still have an article from WonderCon that I've been timing specifically for July 4th, and it's been sitting up for like two months. Oh, no, I have an article for – I still have an end-of-year list I need to finish. <laughs> 2012, end-of-year, best of Geekscape. <laughs> uh, so going into not 2012 but 2015, we're halfway through this year. Um, what has been this, – this is the question of the mission objective for the week – what is your favorite release so far for 2015? Derek, I'm going to let you start it off. I think that it's got to be Wave 3 and 4 of Amiibo. <laughs> no, uh, you actually got actual, actual game. Uh, I mean, it's I, I've got to throw it to The Witcher 3, I think. Like, it's just been... There's been a lot of good stuff this year, both both indie and, and you know, AAA releases, mm-hmm. but nothing has held my attention so much as the witcher 3 has and and i like i've mentioned you know i've I've been talking about it for weeks now but i haven't been so uh enamored with a an rpg in years like i can't remember the last time i've been so into like a game of this genre and i'm not even generally like you know like i got kind of like not that shadows of mordor is an rpg but just those kind of sort like fantasy games i'm not super into that kind of setting so usually i get bored of them pretty quick but the witcher is like it's it's on another level um and so that would be my number one for 2015 so far uh josh what's your favorite game so far 2015 uh so far and jonathan always asks me about this game and he wants me to sell it on him but if i haven't done it yet it's probably never going to happen but i'll have to say my favorite game of the year so far is splatoon Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day, I always judge whatever my favorite game is by which what game am I playing the most. And with the exception of the past week and a half, because I've been do, trying to do my best to work on the E3 stuff and then playing Batman and Neptunia more recently f- to try to work on reviews for the site. But whenever I've had free time, every day that that game's been out up until E3, I put in what I intended to be a half hour and would always turn into like three hours of just playing online just nonstop, and it's just such a fun simple yet deep and addicting game with so much content to unlock and that's without all of the free updates which i love um, whether by the way. Not... right right and you know whatever your opinion is on what on the locked content since it's all already on the disc regardless you know adding all of the you know slowly adding the content like i was trying to explain to jonathan when we were doing the main geekscape show like slowly trickling out new content keeps the game fresh and instead of having everything available all at once and then picking your favorite weapon and getting bored like the slow rollout of a new stage a week and then a few days later a new weapon there's always some there's always experimentation there's always something new to discover and that's going to continue all the way through september so unless something really amazing comes out I have a feeling that Splatoon might actually carry me all the way to the end of the year, but we'll have to find I, out. I will echo your... I'm going to give this vote to my wife as well, because I know she would agree with me, and I don't know if she can hear me through the door, but I know she would say Splatoon is the game of 2015 for us in this house, the Marquez King of the Martian household. There's no other game that we've played together more than Splatoon. Hyrule Warriors dominated our afternoons and our weekends, but I will go on... Because um, as you know, my... Uh, I think by the time this show airs, it's going to be common knowledge that uh, well, actually, um, actually, well, damn it, well, we are expecting our first child, and Whoa. Uh, yay! Yeah, so by the time the show airs, everybody will know. But uh, that, or you're in a lot of trouble. 
<laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 going to be time to when we can un- reveal because it's pretty. We're pretty much at the, after the first trimester. Nice. Um, so so there's no hiding it now. No, no, no. Uh, so the the uh, I'll go on runs for groceries or for the cravings, you know. Which is she's been drinking pickle juice straight out of the jar. Like that's I, I don't know if that's an okay thing, but today she just opened. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. She is. Just is that out, even safe? Like, I I'm scared. <laughs> like. She just opened a pickle jar and just downed, like, some pickle juice. And she says, this is the second can I've done done this week. Like, apparently, we had another pickle jar that she just drank the juice out. She said it was the best thing ever. This is like just a, there's like a jar just full of pickles, but they're not, like, in anything? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's like, like a, like, straight out. It's like dry pickles in the, in the fridge. Yeah, so I'm eating a lot of sandwiches now. But but the point is, like, when I go on these runs to go get groceries or whatever, she will be playing Splatoon when I leave the house. And an hour and a half, two hours later, she's still playing, playing Splatoon. She's playing – she's probably playing Splatoon right now. But she's – I haven't seen her that much into a game in a, quite some time. Not a game that she just enjoys to watch, but a game – and even if she's not playing it, she loves to see me play it. And, and she's, she's gotten really good at it. So any game that could capture my wife's attention and and keep her addicted, it has to be my pick for 2015. Yeah, no, so that you hear that, Jonathan. So <laughs> my yeah, my fiance is actually point. Pretty, if you sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say at this point, if you if you're not convinced, then you just don't like fun. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my fiance is actually we picked up Splatoon last week, and finally when we got back from Alberta, she f- popped it in and. Uh, she's been playing a bunch and she it's interesting because she is really enjoying it but she's never played a game where you you know you have to be in control like like a third person camera type game or a first person game like you know the most i've seen her play before that is animal crossing and she's been getting into mario kart so she's you know it's really interesting seeing her try to learn how to control that camera and stuff um but she's having a lot of fun with it and is constantly improving and i'm super excited because kind of once you learn that third person camera once like you can play any third person game right so um, yeah you know what? she's having a blast point. with it and she's only been playing the single player so far too so you know, it's going to get to the point where our wives and our fiance or Derek's fiance is going to form their own team when that happens in August. And they'll actually play together, unlike us. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll kill us all. <laughs> That's that, that escalated quickly. <laughs> no, well, in the game, yeah. not in real life. They'll oh, kill okay. us. And then they'll play the game. Uh, so before we close it out, we just want to mention that. Uh, oh, sorry. Did you guys have anything to add? Uh, no, but um, I think that's about it. We're already running long as it is without Shane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, just before we close it out, uh, we uh, Geekscape Games and just the Geekscape, the mothership, uh, there's so many, we've grown so much as a group, and there's a lot of stuff we cover with E3 and Comic Con, WonderCon, Kamikaze, it, the list goes on and on. News. And, and, and news that comes out daily, and it's before when we were a small group, it was fine, but now because, damn it, we're just so popular and successful, we need more writers. I mean, uh, we have fantastic writers as, uh, that we have, uh, but we need more. So we made the call out before, and I'm, I'm sure Jonathan London's received some submissions. I've had some people contact me about it. But if you are interested in joining the Geekscape family, if you have the aptitude, the writing prowess, if you will, to join us, then please drop a line at Jonathan London at Jonathan London on Twitter. 
and send them some submissions. Tell them that you're interested. And who knows? Maybe sometime in the near future we'll be talking about you. Hell, we might even have you on the show as a guest. Or we'll just be going to Comic-Con together next year. Who knows? But um, And even if you're terrible at writing, we have great editors. <laughs> that is true. Um, so... Uh, Guys, we are going to be in Comic-Con in two weeks, so I know next week's show is going to be the pre-Comic-Con show before in two weeks where we're all together Voltroning, joining together our, our powers. I don't know if we're going to do Voltron or we're going to do a Power Rangers thing. or a const- How about a four-player Splatfest? Isn't it always a four-player Splatfest, though? Not in person. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess we'll call it the Splatfest <laughs> in two weeks. Uh, or Robot Splatfest. We can do that. Combine all of it. Oh, there you go. Robot Power Rangers Splatfest. Th- that will be the show for the number 37 show. <laughs> Robot Power. That's perfect. Okay. So Write that down because I have a terrible memory. So for the absence of Mr. Shane O'Hare, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Geekscape Games. Make sure you tell your friends about us. We're on SoundCloud. and Thank you for listening on SoundCloud. Of course, you can always download the show on geekscape.net. And, of course, subscribe to the show on iTunes. And share so, it. That's the best thing that you could do. And share it. Tell your friends. Yeah, if you like um, us, share it with your friends, uh, and maybe they'll like us too. And if you hate it, share it with someone you don't like, because and make either way we it. get a listen, and uh, yeah, then you get to fuck over an enemy if you hate the show. So, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and then also keep in mind that we haven't sorted out the details yet, but we have a lot of E3 swag. And yes, we, have too we do. Much of it, so we're going to be giving it away to you guys. Uh, as a big thank you, I know we have more listeners to the show because of SoundCloud in the last three weeks that we put it on. So we want to welcome you to the Geekscape Games family. Uh, you, there's a lot of great stuff coming up this year and going forward. So thank you for joining us. Uh, so, of course, every week you can f- listen to myself, uh, Shane O'Hare. And we have Derek Cranavelt. You can catch Derek Cranavelt on Twitter at what handle, Derek? At D Cranavelt. And you can find Josh Jackson, a friend who went to E3. He'll be writing more stuff on Geekscape.net. And his Twitter handle is? At Enu Joshua. And for myself, I'll be posting some stuff. I just put up the article, but I'll be putting some more stuff now that I'm in summer school and I have more free time to write. You can find me on Twitter at the King of Mars. And, of course, you can find all three of us plus Shane O'Hare plus Jonathan London and many Comic-Con, many others and many many more of the Geekscape family uh, guys are we going to have a booth this year or no uh, yeah of course 3919 3919 right, so at Geekscape please come by in two weeks we'd love to see you there if you listen to the show hell we'd love to meet you so guys on behalf of everyone from Geekscape Games thank you for listening and we will catch you next week bye bye bye, bye everybody